Kama. It means holy worship. Join me, your host, Robert Randall, as we delve into biblical instrumentation and music history to discover the sounds behind the words of our Savior, Yeshua Messiah. Tov, Mishpikaha, Yeshua Messiah. It is I, your host, Robert Randall, once again, coming to you today from a very cloudy, wet, and rainy Colorado Springs. Abba Father, we come to you today, and we thank you for your son, Yeshua. We ask in your Kadosh temple that you would edify us, that you would exhort us through the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit that dwells in our flesh, as the body of Messiah and as individuals in this unique area of study. Father, I pray that everyone listening to the hosts on Hebrew Nation Radio would pray for them, that they would pray for the body of Messiah worldwide, Father, and that we would grow stronger in our love for you and you for us as we await your return as our bridegroom and king. We commend this time to you. In Yeshua HaMashiach's name, Amen. Our final instrument within the strings. Our final candidate is the Kithara, or in the Greek, what some would call the Kitros. While the Greek name is an obvious reference to the evolution of the instrument, it is harder to place as to its exact origin as a foreign or native instrument of Israel. Linguistically, Strong's identifies it as an Aramaic root. Despite a persecution-scarred history between Greece and Israel, Israeli merchants had trade relations with ancient Phoenicia, which later became the trade envy of the world. See Ezekiel chapter 27, where the prophet, the Nevi, details the prophet's observation of said commerce followed by the famous Luciferian origin of the devil in chapter 28. Ancient pictures of this instrument depict it with a long neck with three to five strings. Some scholars even believe that two strings were assigned to a single note, like the kinnor or the dulcimer. There is no reason to belabor further the evolution of stringed instruments, having the sebeca as a catalyst for such an analysis. Ultimately, this instrument's evolution has its guitar culmination from its previous ancestors of dulcimers and lutes. The composition of the kitros was, in its earliest fashion, stretched snakeskin over wood. Its strings would have evolved from twisted strands of grass extending to the guts of various animals, eventually following into the standard silk or wire fashion. So if you recall from a couple episodes ago, when we played a excerpt from the BBC documentary on the harp, if you continue to watch that, the harpist travels all over the world exploring different types of harps, one of which uses wire or steel strings known as a Celtic harp in Ireland. All right, continuing on. 
Such experiments over the centuries using various weights of wood, making resonance boxes and varieties of fretted string configurations would eventually produce not only the guitar, but also the family of orchestrated strings, violin, viola, cello, bass, and the odd member of the family, the fiddle. One outstandingly daft-looking instrument, Italian in origin, debated linguistically in its classification as a cathara to its French name Theorbo, the big brother to the lute, coming into fashion for operatic accompaniment with an added set of bass strings for a range of French, Turkish, and Spanish melodies with the tonic curiously set as the middle string. Like many of the instruments cataloged, it is the tall, weird-looking uncle of the family. And as part of the second part of today's show, we'll be listening to a woman detail the uh, the Theorbo in great detail. Uh, she'll be playing it as well as describing it. And it's something to behold. If you just look up Theorbo, T-H-E-O-R-B-O on YouTube, you'll find this. should be the first search that pops up. Concerning scriptural references, Daniel chapter 3, 5, 7, 10, and 15 have almost all of the ancient instruments used in the Bible. King Nebuchadnezzar's band is about to play a worship song for the people of Babylon to worship a gold isle. This incident leads three men of the tribe of Judah to rebel and not fall before the gold statue, even though it would lead to death if they did not cooperate. That at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, harp, kithros, sambuka, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, that ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king hath set up. Daniel 3, verse 5. The following verses, 7, 10, and 15, repeats in the following order as verse 5. A powerful scene unfolds as Daniel's three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, are thrown into the fire, bringing astonishment to the king, who blinks, inquiring how many men were thrown into the fiery furnace, saying, And there be one as the appearance of the Son of Man, or an a malach, an angel in some translations. Some believe this to be a pre-incarnate Christophany, or Mashiach. Setting aside the trial by fire, apart from Daniel 3, the only other scriptures that alludes to the Kithros is 1 Chronicles 25, verse 1, which describes the Kithros being played by prophets. Moreover, David and the captains of the host, separated to the service of the sons of Asaph and of Haman, and of, and of Jeduthum, who should prophesy with harps, with psalteries, and with cymbals, and the number of the workmen according to their service was. Indeed, such understanding of prophetic worship was an educational function. Richard Kauner explains, Nevaim, prophets, these were men whose office it was to sing hymns and praises to God. For such in holy writ are called Nevaim, prophets, and their singing 
knowing there is this instrument of Aramaic roots allows us to have a clear understanding that this was most likely a foreign instrument that gained acceptance among Sephardic or Spanish Hebrews. So today, for the second half of our program, we are going to be listening to Elizabeth Kenny, a lutist from the UK, who will be detailing the Theorbo, which is essentially an enlarged lute with a set of gut bass strings along a long draft neck. This would certainly stick out in public, and if you were to walk around with this thing uh, for any length of time, I'm sure people would gawk and probably throw things at you. But I recommend you to go on YouTube. This is one of the few times that I will do that, that you check out Introducing the Baroque Theorbo, B-A-R-O-Q-U-E-T-H-E-O-R-B-O. Baroque Theorbo, and you will be able to see what this looks like as Elizabeth presents this instrument. This is a wonderful modern presentation of what the Kithros, or the Kithara, has become today. Please enjoy. At the end of the 16th century in Florence, something strange happened in the musical world which had an impact on lute players, but also singers, stage directors, choreographers, um, and this was known as opera and musical theater scenes. So the small lute that everybody had been happily playing for centuries, um, on which beautiful, very intimate counterpoints, polyphony, very complex mathematical music could be played, wasn't quite pizzazzy enough for the new forms of theatrical music. So the players were scurrying around with their lute makers, thinking about what they could do to address the challenge of playing with louder singers, coming in maybe on a cloud, accompanying somebody you can't see. They needed a bit more beef and a bit more welly for their money. So this is one of the things that resulted. Hieronymus Capsberger was one of the pioneers, but the person who claimed to have invented this instrument, the chitarone, or theobo, as it would be called, was Alessandro Piccinini. And he said that his great innovation was to invent a second neck. If I point up there, that's the second peg box. This is the first peg box. So essentially, I'm playing a lute with an extra neck. Piccinini called his invention the arch lute, and other makers at the same time were working on a different kind of prototype called a chitarone. This was meant to evoke the music of the spheres, the ancient Greek cathara, and was a very intellectual enterprise. However, because it looks a bit daft, it acquired a second name, a tiorba. So you have chitara for ancient Greece, and tiorba, which was essentially a country instrument, some old geezer playing a hurdy-gurdy. And what I love about the instrument is that these two identities, the serious one and the daft one, existed and still coexist. When I catch the tube in London, 
the Kapona or the blockhead identity comes out, people complain a lot about the space that I take up. Uh, the other interesting thing about the instrument is that the top string is buried in the middle. It's a little bit like a ukulele. And this is because half of the instrument came from a bass lute, and the other half was kind of grafted on. So in order to get strings that would be this long to have the big resonant sound, different strings had to be used. If you use normal gut, it broke. So the solution was just to tune these down the octave in order that you could have the extra length for this octave as some of the soloists would play it. But this meant you could play considerable range but going downwards instead of upwards and as the strings are made of gut I'm gonna to have to tune this one these two features of the instrument are what give it its slightly eccentric character so you have the bass strings going down sometimes even arpeggiated or very sad which lent itself to the kinds of improvisation that were going on in opera. For example, the C minor chord would ring on, and along comes Penelope in Il Ritorno d'Ulisse to sing a lament um, about her long-lost husband. So laments, vocal accompaniments, were what the instrument was conceived for. But of course, once you put a piece of kit like this in a player's hand, they'll do other things with it. So because of the tuning, I now have... I have a lot of strings tuned a tone apart. So although we're in early music territory, this gives me a lot of harmonic options. For example... Which, which we wouldn't normally find in music of this period, are suddenly very gratifying to play under the hand. And we even have Turkish-influenced pieces, such as... a piece by Kapsberger called the Kolosjone, which is a three-stringed Turkish instrument. So around 1600, there's all sorts of innovations happening. So what could you use this instrument for if you're in an orchestra or in a band or in a theater? Improvisation comes very naturally. You build it around chords. Um, 
And to do that, rather than have all the composers learn lute tablature, they wrote just one single bass note. So a single D could mean... Or the same D could mean... Depending on the mood of the piece. So the oboe players learn to improvise, to harmonize their own particular bass lines. They might share a line with a harpsichordist or a viol player or a harp and play in big groups, or sometimes just one voice and one lute was the kernel from which larger operas were built. So Italy was the nerve center of innovation where this instrument was invented, but it did travel. It traveled to France, where, interestingly, it lost its Kitarone name and became the Theorbe, or Theorbo lute. And also it ended up in England, where it was a Theorbo. And Theorbo came to mean just the word for anything that had an extra long neck. And in different people's imagination, the instrument took on a different character. So we had all those clashes and dissonances in the Italian music, but the French used it for a much more melodic purpose, things like this. and so on. So it was then used for playing in suites, so you could play in one key for a while before you would have to stand up and retune to change key. And this is where the suite came from. You'd have a whole group of pieces, all in D major or C minor or B minor. Uh, and this was a particular French invention around these tunings on the lute. The Theorbe went to England as well. It was brought in by Inigo Jones in the 1600s, but he was stopped at Dover at customs as they thought the instrument was a popish engine to destroy the king. Uh, so the Theorbe got confiscated and uh, not reunited with its owner until some time after. Me and airport officials across the world have a similar kind of relationship as I travel quite a lot with this instrument these days. And as always, brethren, I end our show with a Tehillim for meditation, prayer, and supplication from a book of Davidic Psalms, Psalm chapter 8. How excellent is God's name! O Yehovah, our Adonai, how excellent is your name in all the Eretz! Who has set your kabod above the Shemaim? Out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have ordained strength because of your enemies. When I consider your Shemaim, 
the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and have crowned him with glory and honor. You made him to have dominion over all the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. O Yehovah, our Adonai, how excellent is your name in all the earths. The name of Yehovah Adonai of heaven and earth is excellent in all the earth, especially among the children of humanity, to whom he has given dominion over the creation. You are God's child, created in his own image and likeness, and empowered with the wisdom and strength to praise his name forever. Never cease to praise the excellent name of Adonai. Remember in your daily worship and meditation to make a joyful noise unto Yeshua and to praise him with all your heart and love him. And now, if you'd like to contact me and leave some comments or ask some questions about the show, here's some contact information. If you'd like to find out more about your host, you can go to my official website at robertrandallmusic.com where you can read my bio and see the various projects that I've worked on for uh, With One Accord Ministries as well as listen to my albums. My first album, That Perfect Moment, a solo piano relaxing album with background orchestration of original composition works, an EP, as well as my second album, which is a classical piano album called A Classical Baroque Musician, featuring some of the most well-known beloved classical pieces from three genres of classical composers, including Beethoven, Bach, Mozart, and Chopin. You can also find me on social music media on Soundbirth app, which allows musicians to collaborate as well as promote their music on Spotify and YouTube, and get advice from music managers on how to better their craft and their uh, their ability to be a better musician. You can also find me on bandlab.com, at Robert Randall Music. You can also find me on soundtrap.com or the Soundtrap app. Robert Randall Music. Soundtrap is a digital audio workstation allowing for aspiring musicians to create audio content via loops, or through live instruments, as well as connect with musicians all over the globe on the Skype platform and the chat platform to create works of art in music, as well as podcast content creation for distribution on the Spotify platform. Whether you're a solo musician, a band, or an aspiring content creator, Soundtrap is the platform for you. Also, if you're an educator wanting to teach your class, Using the creative arts, Soundtrap is also a great way to teach your students in a very fun and creative environment. Finally, brethren, we are not here without your precious prayers and financial support. To Hebrew Nation Radio, Intervision FM, and our podcast providers. Hebrew Nation Radio is a 501c3 ministry, a radio broadcast, and a bookstore delivering the gospel of salvation through Jesus Christ, the gospel of the kingdom prophetically for our name, destiny, calling in the body of Christendom, and delivering the Torah to the nations to those curious about the Hebraic roots of the Christian faith. 
Heber Nation Radio, building a nation, not a denomination, now reaches a million visitors every day on HebrewNationOnline.com, on the Hebrew Nation app, as well as on the Hebrew Nation Online podcast and the newest engagement in our Mighty Network's Hebrew Nation Online community. We'd like to thank Roland and the crew for all that they've done to support Holy Worship. You can also listen to Holy Worship as an individual podcast on whatever podcast platform that you get your podcast provided on. If you enjoy Holy Worship, the music of the Bible, please consider making a donation at the link included at every podcast description of every episode on the podcast to keep us going with our podcast provider on Anchor.fm. We'd also like to thank Johnny Johnson and crew at Intervision.fm for also broadcasting our podcast every Friday at 5.30 p.m. on Intervision.fm. Intervision.fm is an online radio station broadcasting us on KINV-DB Internet Radio on Live 365 on the 365 app and website for Internet Radio. Intervision FM recently won the 2021 Denver Honoree of of the Mayor's Award for Excellence in the, the Arts and Culture. And that has been an award that's been presented since 1986. You can find Johnny Johnson and crew on YouTube or on various Denver TV networks as well as on intervision.fm and uh, listen to their radio station and watch their YouTube show as well every Wednesday. Thank you so much, uh, guys, for allowing Holy Worship to be broadcast on Intervision FM. It is a unique opportunity as well for those who are in the blind and visually impaired community and those with uh, various disabilities to be able to learn the ability to broadcast their content, be it music or podcasting, on online radio. And Intervision FM works with its mission to educate people with disabilities to have a voice uh, in the Denver community. So we thank Intervision FM for all that they're doing, uh, especially for someone who resonates with their vision to help people with disabilities to have a voice, uh, not only for the gospel of Christ, but for those seeking to have a voice through the soul and, and operation of music. And thank you, everyone, for listening today, and I hope that you have a blessed Sabbath. And until next time, I'm Robert Randall, signing out. Be blessed, everyone.